Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Welcome back to Disney Marvels for week of July 19th, 2020. This is episode 93. Disney Marvels, the show about Disney, Marvel, Lucasfilm, Muppet, Pixar, Fox, the parks, and much, much more. If it has to do with Disney, it's fair game. I'm your host, Matthew Graken. We'll be back after these brief words from our sponsors. And now... On with the show. Arguably, one of the greatest movies to come out of the MCU is not necessarily Endgame or even Affinity War, but is one of the Captain America titles, and that would be Captain America Winter Soldier. And as we did just about a month ago, I brought along Isaac to discuss 10 things you may not know about one of the greatest, arguably, greatest mcu movies isaac thank you for coming along it's appreciation man thank you for having me again and i hope all your uh viewers are safe out there in this uh crazy crazy time that we're living in yes 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 indeed nothing was safer than staying indoors listening to a podcast yeah (laughs) most definitely most definitely or outside on your deck or in your yard if you have such a luxury and listening to a podcast as long as you're safe wherever you are man listening to this wonderful podcast it's greatly appreciated yes yes indeed and as long as you're not being chased by any crazy russian super soldiers that used to be american you're doing okay (laughs) yeah let's hope not (laughs) i don't think i don't think i'll be able to outround no no but I think I think we should tell the listeners because last time we left them, whenever we did the Avenger movie a few weeks ago, and we said we were going to be doing Age of Ultron next. Um, so most people are probably going to be wondering, wait, you said you were going to be doing Age of Ultron. How come you were doing Winter Soldier next? That, what, you missed a step. Well, technically, we're not missing a step because Winter Soldier came before Age of Ultron. Very true. But we were also discussing off... Uh, off mic as it were that our favorite movie we just started talking about winter soldier and we just kept on going on and on and on about it for another 20 minutes after we recorded the last episode and we went wait a second this should be our next uh next movie that we target so yes we have about our top 10 things i have about 10 pages of top 10 things um and I think you probably have about the same. So, Isaac, I will let you go 
first, as always, because you are my beloved friend and beloved guest. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. So, uh, you know, one, I, th- I think one that we're going to sit down and throw out, I think uh, we'll throw up a layup one. I think everybody knows it was a, with, uh, and uh, it starts with Anthony Mackie, who plays the current, uh, the Falcon right now in, in, in the Winter Soldier. It's a movie that was a uh, character that was introduced. And, uh, you know, in, in the films, you know, he said, if people knew this, this was one of his dream roles that he wanted to play. So much that he he basically sent emails to Disney and Marvel in order to sit down and get the role, which is a pretty big deal. So the fact that, you know, uh, Kevin, uh, producer Kevin Feige caught most of his attention uh, to be able to to see his acting chops was a it was a big deal and I think it, it paid dividends right now uh, to get an actor of Anthony 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 Mackie's talents and also goes to show you to be persistent in the world of Hollywood because you never know what kind of acting careers that you could honestly get which keep I keep trying keep uh, never give up because just because you don't hear anything for one one month or one year. Doesn't mean something else won't come around. Yeah, he he kept emailing Feige and everyone at the uh, Marvel Studios for a while, trying to get multiple roles. Yeah, I think he wanted. I think he was just down for any kind of role that he could have gotten, um, and, and for, for a Marvel Studio film because I think he was so cool, and I think he was a father too. I think that one of those things that just motivates you is to be a father, and that you can kind of impress your kids that you're in a, in a film like that, which I think is is pretty dope. Well, and, and same thing with Robert Redford that he took the role because he, you know, he wanted to show off to his grandkids of how much. You know, look, look at Granddad; he's in a Marvel movie. Look how cool he is. Um, you get, you get, you get cool chops in being an MCU film. I mean, you get any. I think being in any superhero film would get you some kind of props, you know, for with uh, the kids. Less of it's Justice League, maybe, but. Uh, hey, wow. Yeah. That's- Cheap shot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, and sticking with uh, Anthony Mackie, he took the role of Sam Wilson, aka the Falcon, uh, partly to also give African American kids um, another black superhero to enjoy in the MCU. Besides just War Machine, you know, before that, yeah, um, he wasn't happy. Though he was very unhappy with the take on the costume. He he wanted the red and white spandex with the little gold star on the, his forehead. Yeah, um, he wanted it bad. He wanted the, those. Tacky. He wanted the seventies tacky tights, uh, and to to run around with that. And he he wanted to talk to the birds. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he wasn't too you know too keen on the the modern take of it. But I honestly love 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 the modern take on the Falcon. Yeah, I think the seventies tacky wouldn't really work into it. <laughs> <laughs> in in twenty fourteen to really begin with, so not even twenty fourteen. Look at the the movie in itself. Yeah. Just the the dark tones. I mean, um, the 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 director said that you know, the, all the colors are muted up to the point that Cap gets his new costume. Yep. And at that point, the only real use of red is on Cap's costume. Well, well, basically not the new. Well, I guess you could say kind of the old costume because it was found. It was a well, museum on the yeah, on the original. The, the, on his the original, original costume. Captain costume. Yeah, yes. the, the new costume he was wearing was actually based off the the comic book series after um, um, after the return of Captain America because he died 
later he died in the comic books, which you know, which later a habit of that. Yeah, well, superhero. I mean, that is the ultimate superhero trope in comic books. You're not really a superhero character until you've died at least once or a couple of times. And if everybody knows, anybody comic book fans, you know, it, uh, he he died after the events of the first Civil War that was in the comic books, um, because he got he. I think he does get. I think he got assassinated. By it was even. after the actual events because um, yeah, I, I remember reading. I got the, the graphic novel of, of Civil War. And, and it was a big deal in comic books. It was a real big yeah. deal for Captain America to, to be assassinated right on the, uh, on the spot. Um, I want to, I forgot, was it Bullseye? Was it Bullseye or was it Crossbones that assassinated him? That I forgot. I think it was either one or two. Yeah, I forget. I, mean, I want to say Bullseye, but I'm not positive. It sounds it sounds like Bullseye, but... but it sounds bullseye, but yeah, but after that, he later on gets resurrected um, in the story, and this is the time when Buck, uh, Bucky Barnes was holding up the Captain America shield, so um, he ends up returning back, and actually in, um, he actually ends up becoming the the new shield, the new shield, uh, uh, he takes over Nick's fierce spot in, as shield commander, uh, for the new comic book series, and that's when they introduced a more military-focused costume that you see played mm-hmm. out in 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 Winter Soldier. So I think that was a really cool touch that they added to that, and it was uh, and it was on spot on, spot on, really good in, in the comic design uh, in that. Yeah, uh, absolutely, and um, I, I liked how it played out in this because y- you kind of have the the multi levels of Captain America. Um, they tried to kind of, you know, here is your standing, you know, perfect um, embodiment of the United States, not a, not a representative of the United States, but kind of the embodiment of, of the, the American way. And, you know, very soldier-like, so, um, you know, very much a company man, as it were, yep. uh, for, for S.H.I.E.L.D. So using a very, I mean, you could almost say it's a very business attire, yeah, superhero costume. You know, there's there's not any pizzazz to it. There's not any flair to it. It is just basically two colors. You know, you got the the dark blue, and then you have the the silver on it, yeah, and so that's the extent that. of that. Yeah. Um. Until further on, where he rediscovers himself, and you know, finds out what he really stands for. Uh. Because let's face it, in this movie, everyone lies to Captain America. Everyone up and down the street is lying to Captain America. Yeah. Your best friend is dead. Oh, no, he's not dead. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm just here to help you on the mission. No, I'm really here to steal stuff um, for for Nick Fury. Nick Fury is dead. Nick Fury is not dead. It, it, it's, you know, it, it leads, you know, everything that is being told to him at one point or another, it, it, he finds out is not true. It's kind of, you know, he has to discover for himself where does he fit in and where is he going um in this world because he's still trying to figure this out he's only been around for two years in modern time he doesn't know what's going on really is it the technology that's bothering him no it is everything else it is the you know 40s america is not 2010 ish america where things are a lot Cynic, more cynical. They were definitely a lot more cynical. You know, the, not everyone's got kind of their own little agendas and stuff. It, it, people aren't as transparent as they were, and things 
are on a grander scale than they were ever. So for someone like that to try and assimilate into this, it's quite the culture shock. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. And if you think about the time period between um, the events of the first Avengers movie, from what I think I heard, it was only like, what, three, only a couple of days that separated from the first events of Avengers that went into into civil i think that's what i heard I, I might be wrong but i think in terms of the time schedule it might have went from there to there really quickly uh two years two, two years, years from uh end of uh, the first avenger movie from to the, the start of uh, winter soldier but the events of winter soldier takes place over three days yeah oh yeah the events of okay that's right the events take over three days but the events between that and two days so um yeah he hasn't really had an opportunity to really adjust uh to the world hopefully as fast as he would hope for um speaking of um i i, I will feel like, oh did, did you want to uh, present uh, uh uh an interesting fact i'm sorry i forgot i feel like i threw two facts at you <laughs> i think I, I i just built one onto yours but um yeah, let's see here. What, what I, I had a good one here. Um, oh yeah, we got this. It takes place in three days. I already said that one. Yep. Um, all right. So this actually is a scene that didn't make it into the movie, but mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of kind of cool and interesting. We just talked about Nick Fury getting shot. Yeah. Um, so the scene after he gets shot. And you see Black Widow's Corvette pull up, stop dead front of the hospital. And she's kind of like darting in there, all all business, heads into the hospital. Next thing you know, she's heading into uh, with Cap to watch the surgeon at work. There was actually supposed to be a scene between that where she confronts a security guard, a cop, whatever, who tried to stop her. She just takes the guy out, flips him out and breaks his arm to get into the um to the hospital you know wasn't letting anyone get in our way just kind of showing how determined and how connected she was to nick fury yeah um, wow yeah I, I thought that would have been interesting to see uh scar johansson take out a, a, yet another person yeah uh, but uh yeah for continuity and stuff um never fully uh got made into the into the movie but i just yeah. found that interesting um you know, you, you see that she's all business there and you really get to see her face as this is going on. The camera's focused mostly on her as Nick Fury's laying on the the, the hospital um, operating table mm-hmm. in the hospital and the, the surgeons are doing their thing and they're trying to rescue him and he goes under. The focus is really on Black Widow. Yeah. You, you have Colby Smulders, you have um, and uh, Chris Evans in there as well. Captain America and uh, Rhea Hill, but it's really on uh, Black Widow's um, face in her actions. Even if from behind, uh, you get her reflection in the glass to see, you know, the the anguish and the the pain that that character is going through. That her really just over her boss. Yeah, but well, I guess it's the the one thing that keeps her safe. More than that, it's it's, a per, it's almost like a person that kind of gave her a, a second chance at life, you know, yeah. after the events of, you know, one person that saw the potential and the, the good and the potential that she could do, uh, you know, 
and, and, and to help with this team. So, yeah, to, to, to see a person that kind of be like a mentor that kind of gave you a second chance uh, at being somebody better, yeah, I, I think that would that would affect your psyche and, and, and just put you in a, in a rough state, you know, a really difficult state, you know. Guy that gave them gave her a second chance. Um, yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, it, it was so. I found that I found that interesting. Uh, another interesting thing too, and if you paid attention, um, now I noticed in, in the beginning of uh, of Winter Soldier, apparently when he's running and he's on, he's on, on he hits Anthony Mackie's character on your uh, left, on your, on your left, and then eventually beats some, you know, eventually beats him in a normal jog, and then he axes, you know, like, oh, dude, you should, you should see that. I think what's the Temptations? I think he he pulls out the book and he writes down all the it's, things. Um... Was it the Temptations? I, I no. No, no, Marvin Gaye. Gay, Marvin Gaye. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye. Uh, yes. that, that's what I was thinking. Thing. Um, yeah, and it pulls it out. Apparently, in in that particular scene, it's different for different countries. Yes. Um. So like Australia, Australia pulls it off. It's like anything that's related to Australia. If it's Russia, it's like uh. Uh, Tesla and and, and 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 other Russian people in in England, it's ACDC and the Beatles and stuff like that. So if you pay attention to different takes of where this film is released, and you look at his book, it has totally different. Uh, it has a completely different set of things listed, which is kind of weird because it's a it's a character based in America, Captain America, uh, America. So it'd be weird to kind of add that. Why would he want to learn? <laughs> international stuff very uh, sushi yeah um but from my understanding there are at least two things that are consistent in every um edit of that Mm -hmm. star trek and star wars star wars yep you know you gotta catch up on star trek and star wars yeah i was watching speaking of star wars taking a slight uh detour on this i was watching um twilight zone with my daughter last night it was the one with Shatner on the the airplane. I go, mm-hmm. you know who that guy is? She's like, some old guy. I'm like, what? Well, now he is, yes, but that that's Captain Kirk. Who? Captain Kirk, Star Trek. He's, he's captain. He's like the coolest captain. No, I'm like 14 year olds. He's lost on you. Uh, <laughs> I, I showed her a little little clip of him. Yeah. But to top it off and kind of bring it back to Disney. There was an episode of Muppets Tonight with Whoopi Goldberg, and I was um I it just it kind of like popped into my head, and I had to uh, I reached out to Matt Leonard about this. I'm like, okay, I know this happened. Where did he show up? What was this? Was it a Muppet Show or Muppet Tonight? And he's like, oh, it's Muppets Tonight. I think it was the one with the Whoopi Goldberg, and he was absolutely right because I looked at I looked up the Whoopi Goldberg episode, went to the end credits, and there is uh, Miss Piggy on the airplane looks out, sees a monster ripping the wing of the airplane apart, and she starts screaming. Who's sitting next to her? William Shatner. <laughs> saying, There's someone out on the wing! There's someone out on the wing! Oh, that guy! I've been t- complaining about him for years now, and no one has anything about it. And she's reading one of his books, and he goes on to the whole book, and she's freaking out about the guy on the wing. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Yes. Back to the yes. book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> back to the movie. Yeah, um yeah so yes uh the the list did change depending on where you were viewing the film which I, I thought that was an interesting um interesting take 
and and in another um another little tidbit too within the book for the American version, you know, it also has a landing on the moon. Um, and, and if if anybody's read the House of M comic book, um, which is kind of where Scarlet Witch changes pretty much everything in in, in that storyline, uh, Steve Rogers in that book is the first person to land on the moon. Yes. In that book. So again, it's a small little tad bit of people. Or paying attention, but yeah, that, that I thought that was interesting. Well, it's just like uh, Sitwell mentioning about SAT scores and how Scar Johansson and Chris Evans were in a movie where they cheat on their SATs. Yep. Oh, there you go. Sure, there you go. Look at the connection. Yep. yep. So yeah, the, there's a number of things that just like also the the Pulp Fiction reference at the uh, on the epitaph of the uh, tombstone. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I didn't catch that. I didn't catch that. That's good. That's actually a good one. Yeah. So anyway, um, but besides that, so let's see here. Where was I? I don't know. Um, elevator fight. That classic elevator fight scene that they even revisited or thought you were going to be revisiting in Endgame. Um, no, it was it was actually the first scene filmed of yep. the movie. It was the first scene. Yep. Took them four days to film it. Mm-hmm. For those couple of minutes, and um, really, what the, um, what it came down to is that they wanted to trap him in the, the elevator to really show off Cap's abilities. So it, it was really, it's like, okay, let's put a bear in a cage and see what happens, uh, type of scenario. And so that that's really where that came down. Um, and it's one of those things that kind of evolved the whole time. I believe it was actually is originally supposed to be a, a chase scene, uh-huh. and the, they scaled it back to being in a small, tight elevator and just, and you know, they just okay, we'll start off with five guys and they just keep packing people into to see how many people we could pack into this yeah. to really show off Cap's fighting Str- abilities and his strength. strength. Yeah. Honestly, like like what what I really enjoy about this film, I I'm always blown the fact how grounded um, this the fight scenes in this film are just so incredibly grounded. And uh, one of the things I always really I always had issues with superhero films is like sometimes, especially ones where um, the heroes have training are supposed to have years of training, and they're only limited to like typical punches and kicks, but in this film, for for a Marvel film, it, it really was able. It was grounded enough where, because a lot of this didn't have superpowers. A lot of this was just a lot of more grounded individuals. Was just well trained. I mean, there were there were special effects, but there weren't really a ton of superpowers other than what they were given to. And no, and just, they even limited the special effects on the film too. Yeah, for that, and I I just appreciate the fighting scene, and you appreciate uh, Chris Evans' work. Now, granted, in, in a lot of the shot fighting scenes, you can tell that it's a lot of their doubles between uh, Chris Evans and, and Sebastian Stan, but you actually have to you know uh, credit Evans for going into the gym and to learning a lot of different martial arts. He picked up gymnastics for a little bit uh, for his fight scenes because uh, Captain America is a really talented gymnast thanks to yep. the, was the help of the serum soldier so the fact that he had some parkour some uh, um some brazilian jiu-jitsu some sammo wrestling uh, some grappling some judo along with a lot of uh this you know taekwondo and martial arts i think really is just adds 
it, it gave me um, that more realistic feel that Captain America can do all of that in, yes. in height space, and which also goes again how well that fight scene in that elevator was so good, along with uh, another favorite fight scene that happened earlier in the film between him and, and the first fight scene between him and uh, um, Red Rock, the Leaper. Yeah. The, yeah, oh, the, the Leaper one was was good, which uh, everybody knows that was uh, GSP, uh, uh, MMA fighter, uh, uh, St. Pierre mm-hmm. uh, from from UFC. Um, and I think that was one of his, uh, which I think that was, I want to say that was one of his first films. I believe so. I think it was one of his first uh, uh, talking films to Pam Bear and the Leaper in that fight scene, too. Um, which also showed off again in that fight scene too. It's not Chris Evans again, like you can tell. It is. It's the. It's. Well, it. It I'm, isn't him no. until the helmet comes off, and once the it's helmet not, comes off, it's him. It, it, it's. It's him. It's it. Well, not not exactly because some of the fight, like it's it's shot really well. It, it is shot yeah. really well. That's not to say that Chris Evans didn't do some of the stuff because again, it, they they do a really good shit. Like the editing is so well done between replacing Chris Evans and his stunt double though. But that's again, that's not to take away that he didn't do well, he didn't go into do all the work though. But yeah, I I, I just don't know about the flip. I don't know about the no the flip part. wasn't him. Yeah, the flip yeah. wasn't him. That um, that's but, not him. yeah. Uh, and the the parts with the helmets kind of back and forth. Everything besides the flip after the helmet comes off is Evans. Evans. Um, and then the same thing with the the one flip with um, uh, Saint Pierre. Uh, he does everything except for the the one gymnastic flip um, that the Bat Rock does. Um, but yeah, they uh, like that scene where he initially gets on the uh, the satellite ship. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he climbs up the anchor and he just tears down the, um, the decks, just knocking soldiers off left and right. Again, one other favorite scene of mine again, and the, the directors talked about this, how this is something that, you know, it just goes to show you how much he's refined his fighting style from the first Avenger from Civil War being that, uh, from World War II. Just boxing. It was more focus of boxing and judo. I mean, it wasn't a lot of martial arts. And then over the years, it just seemed like he added a little bit more. Like you said, he added even a little bit more to his repertoire. Yeah, it's um, how the, the, the directors described it was. Uh, and I, I, the analogy is beautiful. That people on, in, who fought in World War II were just everyday people picked off the streets of, in this case, Brooklyn, given some... And basic training is really what it was, very basic training, thrown out over into Europe or Asia, wherever they were fighting, and have at it. So what did they know to do? Punch and kick. Just basic yep. basic punching moves, it's like most people know. You know, flash forward now, Cap's in this new situation, and he is trying to be the best soldier he can. He is learning more. He's studying and studying more different fighting styles. So that's why he now has all these other like fancier kicks and moves and ducks and um, you know uh, counterattacks. Yep. And uh, you know it just you know just to show the progression of his character that you know this is what I am. I am a soldier. Let me you know be the best just, soldier I can be. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it just shows him he needs it. I mean, granted, 
him having the super uh, serum formula. Um, he just, again, it's his, him being, like you said, being the best soldier and learning new things and learning new techniques in the, in, the, in the brand new world, which makes great sense. And and you see that carry on throughout the other films moving on. That he's yeah. just a smart guy. Like he's just a guy who he, he adapts. He he's a general in battle. He knows how to adapt in battle. And you just see that through all the films moving forward. And he and in the fight scenes, his fighting technique gets incredibly better. As yes. As, as as these films move along, and, so- and I don't think people really can appreciate that he's he's not an idiot. He, no. He's actually a really smart guy, um, which is you know, when you think back to Little Steve, you know, it it's the size of his heart, and he's just also he's a smart kid. He just he was put in this little body, yep. Um, and you know the, he retained that. You know, and this actually I think enhances his intelligence. Um, for re- remembering things and uh, adapting to things and, and figuring things out. Nope. But uh, getting back to the fighting scene, the the combat scenes uh, fighting in this movie um, really, I think, grounds it to, you know, you take out the fact that they're superheroes. <clears throat> he has a super strength and um, the Winter Soldier, has, you know, has these super strengths. You take that out. And this could be any spy thriller conspiracy movie um be it mission impossible or um, some other conspiracy type of movie or something like that um born one of the born movies or something any of those because it's just the fighting is just so like you said well grounded to being you know other than they're flying a few extra feet or you know hitting that much harder yeah it's just so well choreographed it's it's so well good, dude. It's and I that and I think that's what puts this movie so much for me above everything else in the MCU. I like I said, I think it's still I, I still have him ranked number one. It's it's my favorite movie of all all time. It's 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 literally the movie I, that I can honestly of all the MCU movies, it's the one that I I tend to sit and watch the most. Um, because it's it's just so well done, and and because a lot of it is it has to do with that fight scene, especially the one between um, Bucky and and uh, between him and Bucky uh, when, when 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 he when he fights him and reveals that it's Bucky Barnes, it's just the the transition between how he uses the shield, and defensive fighting style, and then when he doesn't have it, he's a little bit more aggressive and goes in offensive style in that fight scene, and how that again how 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 well edited and how well shot that was between switching between Evans and Sebastian Stan's characters and switching back between the stunt levels. It was shot so well done, you yeah. know. It was just shot really well done. And then, you know, Sebastian Stan was the slot and the sambo because of Russian and was KBG fighting techniques added to that, just made that fight just really well done. I, 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 it's just, I can watch that over and over again. It's one of the, even if I haven't watched yeah. that, the whole movie's great, but I can watch that fight scene over and over again, just be blown away with that. And with the parkour scene where he's chasing him down when Nick Fury gets shot, that was also incredibly pleased how he's using it. Not only is he yeah. quick agility, but he has just blow, he's just blowing through doors and just to, just to chase the Winter Soldier down. Yeah, the writer's like, well, we don't want him to turn into the Hulk, but it's like, well, but he is. He's that super- strong, and, and yeah. not just that, 
at this point, he's that determined because his boss, friend, whatever you, you want to call their relationship, as, as strange as it can be, but there, you know, there is a relationship of one sort or another there um, that he is determined to get the, you know, the guy who just shot him. Yep. And, you know, if you're determined, nothing's going to stop you. Yeah. No, I, I totally, I, I agree. Um, it's also, and here's another, here's another tip. It was it's the first movie where Captain America doesn't use a gun. No. Doesn't no, he use does gun. not. He does not use a gun in that fight, which is pretty good. Hey, that's fine. I mean, he doesn't need it. Um, yeah, Winter Soldier's got plenty of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, he and he also uses starts using the shield offensively, especially on the ship. Um, when he comes down, you see that he uses the shield not only on the defensive, but he uses it to attack as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 it, 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 it's really it uses like again he uses the same shield to to, to uh, break out of things and to, to land. It basically, brace his landing when he falls out of the building, you know, and just how like the physics on how it bounces and stuff like that. It's just it was really really smart on how they they expanded on his repertoire. Yeah, uh, superhero and how they built on that, which is why Captain America is one of my favorite superheroes in the MCU. Oh, indeed, indeed. Um, your turn, I believe. Yeah. So uh, another thing too, um, um, going back to that that apartment scene where he talks to uh, uh, um, to uh, uh, Nick Fury. Um, if you pay attention, Foxtrot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's uh, a reason for that. Yeah, Foxtrot. Um, if you notice, there's a book called All the President's Men, mm-hmm. which basically has uh, Robert Red. Red if, if people have known, um, Robert Redfield was um, um, was producer uh, and also co-star along with uh, Dustin Hoffman, uh, where they actually made the adaptation of that book. So it's 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 kind of a little nice nod. To Robert Redford in the film. Well, just like Redford had a uh, bottle of Newman's own uh, salad dressing in his refrigerator. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I saw that, and um, I also noticed that they have the memoirs of George H. W. Bush um, right next to it. Yep. Uh, so interesting collection of uh, of literature that Cap is trying to catch up on and and study, you know, catch up on what's been going on in the world. But yeah, there's a lot of little different nods and and things that um, they intentionally put in, uh, especially getting Redford for this part. um, And for they use a lot of his prior stuff to uh, to kind of come up with the ideas and and base this movie around three days in the in Condor um, being a big influence. Mm-hmm. On this one, uh, so same with French Connection and, and some of those other ones. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that was I, that was pretty cool that that they put that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, where was I go? Uh, yeah, let me go with this one. I, I was going to save this one for another point, but let me um... shoot. Oh my goodness! There's just so I have, I have too many, too many here, Isaac. Too many. Um, 
All right, this is kind of a long one. Hmm. Go with me here. Hawkeye was originally going to be in the movie. Yeah, that was true. Yep. Hawkeye was originally going to be in the movie. Um, and oh. he's the one that was supposed to uh, chase down Captain America yep. at one point scene. in a fight scene. And him and Cap were supposed to go at it, and Hawkeye ends up kind of losing the battle, but he realizes that he's pulling his punches. Uh, he does, me- and he mentions to Cap, he whispers to him that. Uh, one, there's a Quinjet watching us, so make this look good. And two, you're being tracked. Mm-hmm. That there was a tracker in his um, in his uniform. Because there's also a deleted scene where a SWAT team is, or the strike team, goes into a community center, into a gymnasium, and rips a bag apart and finds the uniform. Hence why, A, caps in gym clothes, and B, he had to go get a new uniform all of a sudden. Um, so they never explained why they they dropped the tracker part um, for the the USB card uh, flash uh, drive, but uh, yeah, that um, would have been interesting. They just didn't feel that it would have given Jeremy Renner a good enough character to work with, um, and and Hawkeye just really be kind of an, an excess, and they already had so many characters to work with that it would just be a um, a ways to to put put him into it. Yeah, was that ever filmed? It was never filmed. That fight. No, yeah, um, nothing with stopped. Hawkeye was ever filmed. They because did film the costume, uh, the finding the outfit in the locker room. Okay, that was filmed. Okay. Um, you do have the scenes on the deleted scenes of the the vehicles, all these SWAT vehicles pulling up on this community center. Guys with guns and, and dark outfits and body armor come storming in. You have a bunch of guys, you know, kids playing basketball. Get down, get down! And uh, lunging in on this bag and ripping out. There's the helmet. There's the uniform. No cap. And then next, then that's when it enters into the hospital where you see Cap walking into the gym clothes with the hoodie on and the sneakers, uh, going to try and retrieve the the USB uh, flash drive. Yeah. Uh, and I think the re- uh, another reason why, like, yeah, I think the another reason why they couldn't get uh, Jer- uh, Jeremy Renner on it was because I think the, it was scheduling conflicts. I think they couldn't really fit him in due to scheduling conflicts. And like I said, I mean, this movie was already jam-packed with other characters, so him being a secondary character would just be weird. Although, you know, like, again, if you look into Captain America's, like, uh, in the comic books, like, he, he, him, and Hawkeye tend to work together. Well, like mm-hmm. I know Captain America trained Hawkeye a lot uh, in 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 better in hand to hand combat. So, but again, like you said, you were you were introduced you were introduced in hot you were introduced to the Falcon, you were into Sam Wilson's character, and then you had Black, and then you know you were introduced reintroducing Bucky. And then you were like, it was just, it would, it would have been too much at that point, you know, with so many with characters. And again, he would probably have been one of those characters that would have been, uh, be put on the wayside again, where, like you said, half that minimal part with that yeah. fight. You know, although, again, it is kind of sad because it would have been and maybe another great, another really cool fight scene to see how that one would have played out along with Sebastian Stans and all the other stuff. 
I say we still get get that fight scene in Civil War between um, Hawkeye and Black Widow. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same battle that they are fighting, and she goes to him, "You're pulling your punches." What do you mean? Honestly, you again. It is directed by the Russo brothers, and they probably brought the same stunt team that helped out with uh, that did help out with Winter Soldier. So it wouldn't be so. It wouldn't be too surprising that that fight scene is the one that we got in Civil War. It wouldn't shock me. Or the all. inspiration for it, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, they, it just it, it just they just made a couple of tweaks. It could be exactly that fight scene, but they just made a couple of tweaks. Uh, to fit that film. So yep. you're absolutely right about that. Uh, I think that, that's pretty cool. Um, you're at bat. So uh, a, a, another thing, too, about, um, you know, what's really good about the fact that um, being in these uh, ensemble movies, these long picture movies that you get to kind of know your coworkers, well, and that being Chris Evans and uh, Scarlett Johansson, um, so much that um, they were they were at least given a little bit of rain to be able to add in some of their own dialogue um, during the film, which I thought was pretty cool. So um, you know, Christopher Marcus and, and Stephen McFeely, who are the writers, mm-hmm. who. Are writers who worked alongside uh, the uh, Russo brothers um, basically said, you know, in a reading script basically said that, you know, the script was pretty good in shape and was started, but Chris had a lot, in, a lot of input and on the scene where he was meeting Sam Wilson for the first time and what it would take to meet Captain America, who probably gets stopped in the street all the time. Uh, turned around for that extra conversation. And then he and Scarlett were involved in that scene in the car when they were driving to Camp Lehigh, and they were talking about kissing and all that. I think actors very often uh, know their voices better than I do, so I have no problem with them adding a couple of lines to a scene or telling a difference in a joke. Uh, I, I think what's really good about, uh, what's really interesting about a situation like that is how, uh, you know, really dedicated... Um, not just are they to their characters, but I think just the fact that how they're close as friends on and off on the set, yep. to, to have that natural conversation and for that to translate well, uh, well through that. And I think that's that that's a big play into why I think this movie works just as well as a political thriller. Not even thriller, but just it, it brings that humane side to be able to have these fun, interesting questions. It's like two buddies on the set just enjoying themselves in, in that way. And well, the it expands right upon the yeah, expands upon the characters. It, it gives you more more depth to the characters. It, it, you know, then it's not just all business. That there is a little more casual side. I, I mean, the fact that the the whole time they're talking about trying to get Steve back into Perfect. a relationship with the you know, well, have you thought of this girl? Have you like they they even do it um when they kick Sitwell off the roof of the building. Yep. Yeah. You. Uh, Black Widow just kicks a guy off the top of a building and they immediately snap a finger. They're having a conversation. Oh, how about so-and-so with copying? Oh, the girl with the uh, purple hair and the, the lip piercing. Uh, I'm not ready for that. Yeah, it, It's just, you know, it, they don't even miss a beat on that, which is, it, it's fantastic because again, you know, I, uh, wherever you work for the most part, 
it, you're in a job and you, you have your, your work friends or your people that you work with. Mm-hmm. And one mo- it, it, that's how it is. You, one moment you're talking shop, you're doing business stuff, and then blink of a hat, oh, so what are you doing tonight? Oh, go, you know, uh, cooking dinner and doing laundry. How about you? Oh, yeah, so-and-so's, you know, Sally's having trouble with her homework. or yeah, Just regular conversation. And, and it, you can just change it that quickly. And it's no different for these characters. And it comes uh, off natural, and, it, you know, it really displays, again, like you said, that, that time lapse between um, them meeting in Avengers and until now. And it really just shows you how comfortable they are and how be able to have that kind of conversation. Oh, well, indeed. You know, it just shows that character depth of how they're, they're two very close people in a way that, you know, both of them are kind of outsiders in a way. Like, both of them really mm-hmm. alive. So, the fact that those two kind of um, naturally um, mi- migrate to each other, you it, it, it the conversation works out so well, and it helps that that Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson are friends in real life. Oh, well, indeed, indeed. Um, they they've they've worked together in the past, like I mentioned, and you know they, they you know in Hollywood you get to know people. Um, yeah. Also, you also have to keep in mind this is the third time for both of them playing these roles. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Scarlett Johansson, Iron Man two, Avengers, and now this one, Captain America, Captain America the first Avenger, Avengers, and now this one. So the these aren't brand new characters to them. They they have invested quite a bit of time into playing these characters. So they, they kind of do get into the head. They kind of they do start understanding. And it doesn't just go with this movie. A lot of movies, particularly series that you will have characters, uh, you, you will have the actors portraying characters saying, okay, no, this won't happen. This is how it happens. Um, Wayne Allwine's a br- brilliant example, um, who, who used to be the voice of Mickey Mouse, that he'd done it for so long, basically the writers go to him, okay, what would Mickey do in this situation? Mm-hmm. Or he would tell the writers, no, this this is not right. This is not how Mickey would react. This is not what Mickey would say. He would do something like this. He would say something like that. And um, so, yeah, you know, that it, that happens a lot in Hollywood um, where you have people who play certain characters after a while. They just understand these characters better than because the writers change. It's not yeah. usually the same writers from point a to point b to point that, movie one two three or show one two three mm-hmm. so um you know you, you really do need those actors to kind of like you said for actors to kind of take ownership of these characters to understand it's like almost like riding a bike with them so you understand their their tendencies their cadence their posture how they move how they should act how they yeah. should approach situations like they they like when really good actors you know being in a franchise like this own ownership of how these characters should act yeah you know you can you you do feel like you have a better ownership on how how these characters should be written for them and then you feel like they should have that ability to just kind of step and say like yeah I don't think Captain America will say this way I don't think Captain America will move that way or how he would end, interact in this situation especially over uh the periods of this character growing like i said he's always developing so he's going to change up a little bit or he's becoming more nuanced and uh he's he's adapting more into the culture and things like that absolutely absolutely um yeah and speaking of of them um the those two characters and it's 
you know, you, you watch the movie, especially when you watch the movie originally, first time in theaters, you, you see kind of this, you know, relationship developing between Black Widow and Captain America. It's like, where is, where are they going with this? Is it, you know, they're going to be an interest. They're going to be a thing. They're not going to be a thing. What's happening with it? The writers actually didn't know either. During, you know, during the filming, they weren't sure. Okay, what's going on with, the, how you know, is this? Are we going to be building something? Or are we not building something? That and it was just basically let's see how this movie plays out, uh, and, and see how this everything is going to be. Um, it's it wasn't something. They didn't have a master plan because at one moment it's like okay maybe they should be and maybe they shouldn't be you know with the kiss and then you know the, the conversations in the truck. Um, so really it came down to, in the end, it was how the relationship really, uh, they molded it to be how these two characters changed each other. Yeah. So Scarlett Johan, um, Black Widow's character discovered that maybe she shouldn't be so secretive. She, you know, she let all of her secrets out. She, you know, she became a little more comfortable. She, uh, kind of, she confronted you know, in the courtroom, she she came out and confronted them there. That's not something that Black Widow would have done at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And same thing with Captain America's character that, you know, he realizes there is some secrets, there's some stuff going on, and maybe I should be a little more reserved, you know, a little more, you know, can't trust everyone like I used to do. So, you know, but sometimes, you know, even people on my own side can't tell me everything for some reason. So yeah. it just kind of the really, it really turned into a relationship of two friends and how they built each other up yeah. on this adventure. Um, but yeah, at one point they were considering, oh, maybe, maybe we should, they should hook up me. No, I, I don't know. And I think, again, that, that really comes in terms of two actors that probably, again, know their characters better in a situation where they can kind of, again, play this way. Because I don't know of them having evil, a relationship may have been best moving forward for the yeah. for the series. Forward. Again, I think when you have one, again, when you have ownership of, of a character and how they should act, I think this is where they can kind of come in and say, like, yeah, I don't think these two characters would have worked, and here's the reasons why. Well, you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, right. Um, uh, uh, another interesting thing, too, um, bringing up uh, one of these characters in terms of uh, uh, good old Samuel L. Jackson. Playing Nick Fury, apparently he brings up something interesting about how he has the the conversation about how his uh, his grandfather, I think his father, or his grandfather used to work. His in grandfather work, used to work in an elevator, in an elevator shaft, and um, how he had a gun because he was a good person, but he didn't trust people. Well, apparently that wasn't really ex- that was accidental, accidental, as it was kind of revealed that yeah, Samuel Jackson's actual. Grandfather did work in an elevator, elevator. as an elevator operator back in the day. So I got this little cute little uh, add-on. Uh, maybe Hopefully this... he didn't have to bring a 22 with him to work. No, 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 no. Um, whether or not this was an accident or this was just a coincidence between just the writers writing that and him, like Samuel Jackson having it has, a, has not really been confirmed, but it's a, it's a cute little cute little nod. Yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was something interesting. Um, how well do you know the character Armin Zola from the comic books? 
Uh, other than the fact that it's a big computer dude, not that well. But he's a big computer dude that kind of walks around. He, he's he's a, yeah. kind of a robot thing. With he's it. a robot. He's a robot program. Yeah, computer dude. Other than that, no. Nah, nah. Okay, well, that's fine. I just wanted to get that point out because at one point the writers had proposed uh, sparing Armazola's life by revealing that the computer that housed his memories could transform into a mobile robot. Marvel vetoed this idea on the ground that it was too silly. I agree. <laughs> I think for the tone of the tone of the tone of the film that was struck, like I said, uh, I think this film worked well being a grounded political thriller, and then adding that would have just taken would have made it a very like goofy moment. Oh like, no, I I completely agree. Again, post fact of the movie, uh, it has no place of being in there whatsoever. But in the initial writing stages, for them to say no, the, the fact that there's a giant robot, you know, this this intelligence of someone from the past put down into a robot and him walking around causing terror is not a good idea because that's what they wrote in the comic books. Yeah, I'm I'm just kind of curious who would veto that idea. It would have to be Kevin Feige. I think Kevin Feige uh, probably is smart enough to know, like, hey, in terms of the the film, that just wouldn't that work or make any sense and then you know you're kind of happy that, that my guess is this was just a spitballing idea at the the very early stages and they just someone just in the room just went what are you talking about yeah that, we're going way too far on this one mm-hmm. no I, I i agree i, I totally agree we already got a guy running around with a robotic arm who fell off a train, and it's you know let's let's not get too not not get too crazy on here. What are we gonna <laughs> do? A man with two tape recorders up his nose? No, no, come on. <laughs> um, so here's a very interesting thing. Uh, going back to the Black Widow character, um, there was a moment where she uh, mentions uh, uh, Operation Paperclip. Yes, that was written, and which um. And this is actually a reference to a real world, uh, real world of office of strategic uh, of the office of strate- um, strategic services. Strategic. Yeah, I apologize for that. My uh, strategic services, a program which basically had over fifteen hundred German scientists, technicians, and engineers, basically from Walter von Braun, the father of the V two and uh, Saturn V rockets, all came from Nazi Germany. Um, in, in the program where they all later on went to work for the United States for employment. A lot of them in NASA. And a lot of them were for NASA. And were a couple of them a part of the... No. They weren't a part of the Manhattan Project. I, I don't think that. That was way before that. Um, It was before that, but these... I mean, you got people like Einstein and a few of them in there. But, I, um, they were refugees. They, they weren't... Um, uh, people granted political asylum from the from the Nazi Party itself, or who, who worked with um, who worked for the German war machine. Um, no, so yeah, Project Manhattan was ahead of that, so uh, it wouldn't have been that. But like I said, a lot of the the Saturn stuff, uh, the v, um, the uh, uh, Mercury and the Venus rockets, and all the that a lot of the um, like some most of the stuff to come out of uh, NASA in the early days was thanks to the Germans. Yep, a lot of the Germans, a lot, a lot of it, and it, and if a way you can think about it, help play in the space race. Yeah, 
played a big part in the space race during that time. So I think the fact that it was a nice little nod, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, speaking of nice little nods, um, for the Marvel geeks, again, we, we were going back to this about uh, uh, different things being referenced. They actually mentioned Department H. Uh, Black Widow brings up Department H, which is the uh, group that uh, weaponized, I guess is the best word to use, Wolverine by giving him his adamantium skeleton and made him into Weapon X. And then they also eventually came up the superhero group Alpha Flight. Yes. Yep. Yep. The Canadian, the, the Canadian supergroup, which um, after you have to remember, they're mutants. They're, yeah. they're mutants. So in, in a way, maybe the Russo brothers, Kevin Feige, could kind of give them an out of kind of setting up, okay, maybe mutants did exist prior to that, to the fact that they could set up Alpha Flight. I don't know if that if that was yeah the, I, I don't I in but I yeah I, I think that's a bit of a stretch trying to trying to do that from there. <sighs> they, they're, they're working on something. You know they're working on something to to incorporate mutants in there. It's you know what's I mean, going to be the yeah, but but even then it didn't even have to be mutants because again remember was Age of Ultron, you know, two yeah. of those particular characters. Could have been changed, so you know, could just been a situation where they, you know, we we have this in the back burner. We we can quietly introduce this in one of our films, and then it can maybe later on can be explored in the back burner through a television series or something like that. Who who knew what the Russo brothers had sit down and planning? And but you know, they're always clever planting those little seeds. Well, I mean, and to think, I mean, just keep in mind the Russo brothers are huge comic book guys. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, particularly of the Marvel uh, vein. So, yeah. yeah, for them to you know try and throw in any as many nods and uh, references to other properties of Marvel and other extensions, um, they they were you know trying to jam pack as much as they could in there uh, for the really for the fans. And they said, um, I mean, they I can quote them on saying that, yeah, they they. And they did this with um, community and all the others, uh, their previous stuff, that they try and put in all these Easter eggs for the people that, not when you watch it the first time, or even the second time, when you're watching that third or fourth time and you finally go, wait a second, I don't remember seeing that, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, the, that was there. Like, I, you know, I mentioned about the epitaph on uh, Nick Fury's headstone. You know, is a reference actually to Pulp Fiction. It, yep. It's um, that character's one of his character's favorite saving sayings that they inscribed on there. Um, yeah, you know, for that reason, and I didn't realize it either until I heard them tell me that. <laughs> yeah. How are you doing on your list? No, my list is um pretty good. I'm still I'm I'm re- I'm good. I got I got a couple of uh, you know a couple of things. Um, you want to tell people since we did this for the last movie, yeah, what the uh, the working title was? Did you catch Honestly, that one? No, actually, there was was it, what was the working title for this one? Okay, so we had um, I forget now off the top of my head what the the Avenger one was, which was kind of funny. <clears throat> this the, one, the Avenger, the Avenger one was uh, was Groupon. Yes, 
Avengers was group hug. This one was freezer burn. That's funny. <laughs> the working title for Captain America and Winter Soldier was freezer burn. Well, it, it's not too far fetched because no, it, it actually kind of makes perfect sense. Were frozen for a very long period of time, especially you know the fact that you would, it was. You know, Winter Soldier and the fact that, you know, Bucky was also frozen around that same time and defrosted to be a cold-blooded, uh, heartless assassin around that time. That's not that far-fetched. No. No, not at all. Uh, it, it actually kind of makes perfect sense in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. No, it totally makes a no, it totally makes a lot of sense. Totally makes a, a, yeah. a ton, a, a ton, ton of sense. Uh, what doesn't make a lot of sense is why uh, uh, they were able to we couldn't get the help of likes of Iron Man and and the Hulk and Thor to help out. And apparently, and now apparently, based on from what it was read, that they just didn't have enough time. I guess because, like I said, this happened was on three days. Uh, but I. I and you like you couldn't make a phone call to to at least well, Tony Stark. They're constant. They're on the lamb. So I mean, really, whether you know, where uh, are they getting that phone from? You know, everything's being tracked here and, and, and whatnot. They they don't stop. They're they're constantly on the move from one place to the next. Missiles raining down on them and throwing people off buildings, getting arrested and finding lightsabers to cut holes in bomb of vehicles. <laughs> I mean, what 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 are they supposed to stop? You know, well, and pick I up mean, the phone. They, they were able to stop at a, a, a Sam's place for a little bit. I don't know if they like, you know, hack a phone or something. Well, I mean, I don't think any of my hacking materials. But you know, you could be like, hey, you know, hey, Tony, what you doing in the, in LA at the moment? You think swing by fly all the way over <laughs> to watch? By the time he flew out over there, the movie was yeah, over. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I get it. I get it. Uh, I, I just found that to be kind of funny. That like, oh. Yeah, like you couldn't get any of your big, big baddies to help you in this. But again, it wouldn't again wouldn't work with the tone of the film. What was it, what's being happened at the moment? It's under seventy two hours, and also don't forget the the most of it doesn't go go down till after day at least after day one. Yeah. So you're you're really talking about even just forty eight hours mm-hmm. for them to get this all all taken care of. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I'm going to save this one for last because I thought this was really actually very um, an interesting point. But uh, what, uh, what else do you have? What else What else do I have? Yeah. Uh, other than the mall, it's actually the same mall that they used for uh, Avengers. For Avengers, yep. And, and it's the, it's the it German was- building. Yeah, because a lot of it was filmed in Cleveland, Ohio. Again, yeah, it was the it was a building in Germany and a mall in Washington, all exist in Cleveland, Ohio. Are the Russo brothers from Cleveland, Ohio? It just sounds like they use it a lot. I don't know, but yeah, the, well, they didn't do um, they don't do they didn't do uh, Avengers, but uh, Cleveland, I well, guess, is economical to film in. Um, you get a lot of different places. Um, but uh, where are they from? Ah, what do you know? They are from Cleveland, Ohio. That makes sense. Why they continue to use Cleveland, Ohio? I was like, yeah, they they have to be like they use it a lot. 
Well, they, they keep on joking, being that they're from an Italian family. Um, all the extras are cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but the Apple Store is in Los Angeles. Interesting. The Apple Store that uh, they wanted to do the computers is in Los Angeles. The um, Apple employee is a stand-up improv guy who is brilliant. And uh, that's why there's no external shot of the apple store looking in it it's, wasn't even in the same state makes sense that, that, that makes sense that, that totally makes sense yeah um, um, what else you got what else you got alright let me uh, let me hit you with my um, my big one okay. just like um Actually, even the the Captain America, the uh, memorial, the Captain America Smithsonian uh, setup was in Cleveland as well. Yep. But the rest of the Smithsonian, now I can't talk. Smithsonian (laughs) is the actual Smithsonian. The actual Smithsonian. I love Gary Sinise in that part. (laughs) Gary Sinise does so much for the soldiers. I, I, I just love that guy. Um... All right, so Winter Soldier, the the subtitle of the movie references who? References who? Hmm. I mean, you're gonna say Bucky because everyone says it's it has to Winter be Winter Soldier's Bucky. Bucky, oh. yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I was not, a but it is not. Okay. And this is this is this was something that the writers and directors. Agreed upon it. Even it actually goes back to the original comics. The um, it's based on a um, the book, right? Yes, from from Thomas Paine. Okay. Um, it actually refers to an 18th century quote from Thomas Paine. These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis shrink from the service of their country but he the winter soldier that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman that's right captain america is the winter soldier actually they're both basically the winter soldier but really it's captain america because he's the one standing by his country in the dark times yes and it kind of refers back to everything you said about in a in, in a world where basically everything is uh, where politics is manipulative and everybody's holding secrets and everybody is pretty much backstabbing and telling lives here, um, Captain America is is meant to be the most on is meant to be the honest pure person through all of it. The only one in the movie basically who doesn't tell a lie. I mean, I can't figure out what what Falcon's lie was, but um, yeah, everyone else has got some sort of agenda or something that they're hiding. Or I think his was that he wasn't. Uh, I think he lied that he wasn't a parrot. He was a paratrooper, but that's not exactly what he told. But he ran special co-op missions with that ex- with that exosuit. Which apparently was from uh, Star Star Technologies. Apparently, apparently. Yep. 
and help build that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that was his main lie. Is like, yeah, like I, I was not more like he just revealed that he wasn't more than paratrooper than than yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, that's his like little small lie. But everybody else, everybody like you know, Satasha so was a walking lie. Nick Fury wow. didn't trust anybody. Um, the two of them, I mean, that they're lies. They lie to lie in. You know, they're, they're <laughs> lying to themselves. Yeah. And I think, and that's I think part of Nick Fury's character, especially when he gets to the point after the car chase, and he he gets hunted down there and finds himself in Captain America's office mm -hmm. uh, apartment. That he realizes that how much he's really lying to himself now about everything that's going on, and that his lies are catching up to him, and um, he's got to face them now, and it gets him shot. Yeah. And then he lies to get out of that, even. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's, uh, gave his one good eye to a flurkin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he did. Oh, man. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Oh. But, yeah. Uh, you have anything else to, to wrap us up here? Uh, no. No, I think these are some of the, I think this is... Um, yeah, this is pretty much it. I think there's some really good uh, stuff that we uh, did. Um, yeah, I mean, all in all, just an, an amazing movie. Um, I mean, the, the directors really tried to keep down the CGI effects, which I personally think plays to the... that sells helps sells the movie. Yeah. Uh, Although, you know, I, I did... Actually, there's one I want to throw out. Yeah, it, it hit me. Apparently, and that shouldn't top up. Uh, unfortunately, what what you want should have ended it. But apparently, I'm learning that Michael B. Jordan tried to play out for the role for the Falcon. Yes. Well, you you want to talk about people who wanted to play the roles? Um, Were there any other African American roles for, for that character? Or was it? I, well, no. I I um, was actually going with uh, Agent Thirteen. Uh, you had Andrew Kendrick, Felicity Jones. Uh, um, we'll get in Poots, Teresa Palmer, Allison Brie, Emily Clark, uh, Mary Elizabeth Weinstein, Elizabeth Olsen, Jessica Brown, uh, Fair Lady, all considered to play Sharon Carter. Um, obviously we went to Emily Van Camp, and I think a lot of that also had to do with the fact that she had connections with ABC at that time. Because she was um, on another show called, uh, Seven. Right? Was it? Seven? No, no, not seven. It was uh, Revenge. Revenge. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Eight. It was when I was eight people. The show was Revenge and ABC. Um, and, which, uh, if you want to, I play, think I did on that time. If if you want if you want to play uh, connections too, there were back in the day were on AWB, which is now the CW show called Everwood. I believe Everwood. And mm -hmm. back in the day, he. Was the sister to uh, Chris, uh, uh, the guy who played Star Lord in that show? Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Which yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which um, is now Star Lord. Yeah. <laughs> so, you don't get very far in Hollywood. <laughs> you keep running to the same people. But I mean, that's something I, 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 they start, they introduce this relationship because in the comic books. Cap gets involved with Sharon Carter, who who is actually the sister of Peggy Carter. Mm -hmm. it, it's a different relationship. It wasn't a, a niece of, um, yes. as it became in this movie. 
Um, and you, you, you introduce it in this movie, you play a little more into it in civil war and that's it. It, it she kind of disappears. Yeah. Um, they, and they swing back around to, to Peggy who, um, was not wearing makeup in this one. No, Haley Atwell was not, it was all, it was CGI, um, kind of like they did with the Benjamin Button stuff, which really, again, helps sell the reality of it instead of having this poofy, heavy over made over face. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, just more brilliance on the, the Russo brothers part for their, I believe first movie. Yeah, their first take, yeah, their first uh, Marvel. Yeah, I think they're overall. Well, uh, yeah, they, no, they've they know they've had uh, uh, they they did uh, We in Dupree back in the day with okay. Spencer. So I think they did writing chops, but they were again they were mostly known for their 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 writing work on Community, the fan, which and yeah, directing. So they're yeah. really TV people, just like um, uh, what's his name um. Ah, guy who did uh, Avengers. Uh, Josh Whedon. Thank you, Josh Whedon. Um, you know, really who had also, very little. Who, had, had, who also had a small role in the Smithsonian. Um, he was the one bringing the the one who was holding his child during mm-hmm. one of his astronaut exhibit. That was a small cameo of him by Josh Whedon. Yes, he's the guy with the hat. Yep. Yep. And also the um. I forget which Russo. I think it's Anthony makes an appearance. He is the doctor working on Black Widow. And appears again in Endgame as the guy talking about his relationship to Captain America. Yep. That one was the most obvious one. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) uh, With him him pointed out, though. But but they did bring in the the writers for uh, the guys who did the Marvel guys who wrote Captain, uh, Cap- the Winter Soldier series into this as well, just like they brought in the guy who wrote the Infinity Wars into. Um, he made Endgame. a he made a cameo appearance. Yeah, the writers, the original comic book mm-hmm. writers, which is uh, pretty. Which I love that they you know they bring in those people, even the Captain Marvel, um, yep. the original uh, uh, writer for that series, um, brought her in. She was the woman on the train. Yep. Um, so uh, again, just speaks to the credit of of Marvel and, and stuff that they they do recognize the talents from the comic industry and um, bring them into the MCU. Yep. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, brilliant movie. Um, I, I hope you've seen it before listening to all of this. If not, well, we may have spoiled a few things for you, but. Do not think this that's a, you know enough. You do need to sit down and if you enjoy the Marvel movies, sit down and watch it. If you enjoy a good political thriller movie or conspiracy type of movie, sit down and watch this anyway because I had my dad watch this. He has never seen any of the other Marvel movies. It's comic book movies isn't really his thing. He's watched some of the Batman stuff, but his Batman is the Adam West Batman, not the Michael Keaton and forward uh, Batmans. He really enjoyed this movie. So you do not have to necessarily be a big fan of the Marvel universe. If you're looking for a, if you like, like I said, Bourne or any of these other type of um, action, you know, political type of things, 
you will like this movie because it is just so well crafted and so well done and just so so much attention to details small little details about different things uh and it just works out really well um you just you kind of buy into everything even though captain america's shield colors changes you know for no apparent reason but that's (laughs) besides the point so yes um isaac again thank you always thank you for the suggestion thank you for coming on the show uh we'll have to figure out where we go from here next there is still 20 plus movies to be able to pick from and then some and we're still in 2020 so yes uh, we are (laughs) sadly we're still stuck in this year yeah yeah but uh again no thank you for having me on your podcast man i always appreciate joining you man Same here, same here. Have a good one. Stay safe. Thank you again, Isaac, for joining us this week on the show. Interesting facts there. Where are some of your interesting facts about Captain America, the Winter Soldier, that you know, you found out? Uh, leave them in the comments. Leave them on Facebook, the Facebook discussion group, facebook.com slash Disney Marvel's podcast. That is the show's podcast uh, Facebook page, main page for discussions. Or you can also join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Disney Marvel's podcast. Email us also, or you can, I'm sorry, you can email us, disneymarvels at gmail.com for show notes or suggestions. And you can join the discussion on Twitter at Disney Marvels. Links to everything is in the show notes as well as the links to how to leave a voice message through the Anchor app or the anchor.fm website. Leave a message, you can hear yourself on the show. I want to thank you for your time. I know how little and how crazy times have been and the fact that you're spending some of that time with us means a lot. It really does mean a lot that you're listening into the conversations and when you join in. Uh, don't forget to, to leave a rating for the show. Just to take another moment and uh, go on to iTunes. Leave a rating. We're doing really good with a bunch of five-star reviews. Always can use more of them. Not to be selfish, but always can use more five-star reviews. And uh, tell people. Tell people you know about the show. You know, like See someone in the grocery store, one of your friends, people that you know who are into Disney and all the stuff that we talk about. You know, Let them know, hey, it's a great show. Check it out. Get some interesting people that they talk to, some interesting discussions, some interesting interviews. Some interesting interviews coming up. And, uh, you know, the bigger this Disney family, the better. While you're at it, though, don't forget to listen to some of our friendly podcasts. We're at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. We're that Disney family. Chat Disney. Love of the Mouse Podcast. All of our, our friends. Check them out. Good stuff going on there, too. Don't forget also to subscribe to the show, so this way you always know whenever I put a new episode out. But while you're at it, consider also becoming a premium subscriber to help the show out. These things aren't free, unfortunately. You can do this over at the Anchor site, anchor.fm slash slash support. Or, if you want to get some goodies in return, go to our Patreon page. Links to these are also in the show notes. Because remember, this show is brought to you by listeners like you. Whatever you're facing out there, however difficult, however challenging, don't give up. Don't give up on yourself. I, I Sometimes the stress or the, 
that the darkness may seem to overwhelm you, don't let it. Because remember, you are strong, you are beautiful, you can get through this. You too will succeed and prevail. may not always be how you want it, but sometimes it's the way it needs to be. And you will, it will make you better. Hold on to the light that's inside you. Be your own hero. And make your life special. I'll end this week with a quote from Walt Disney. Americans are responsive people. And the ideas, the knowledge, and the emotions that come through the television screen in our living rooms will most certainly shape the course of the future of ourselves and our children. Again, that's Walt Disney. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.